Hi there, welcome back to another episode of Mind Your Liberty, where we're looking at liberty, what it is, why you should care about it, and how to defend it. My name is Andrew, and today's date is February 7th, 2022. Today we're going to be looking at something that's been in the news a lot lately, the Second Amendment Preservation Act. Now in June 2021, just last year, Missouri Governor Mike Parsons signed the Second Amendment Preservation Act, commonly referred to as SAPA. It was something that I and liberty lovers everywhere celebrated, or should have celebrated. It's a fantastic bill that took over eight years to get passed. Now, it went through some challenges last year in the courts for its constitutionality, which didn't take long because it's totally constitutional law, using what we refer to as the anti-commandeering doctrine. And so now, uh, the media, leftists, and surprisingly, maybe to some people, the law enforcement community has come out against the law en masse, and it's been in the headlines, there's been a big PR smear campaign on it, seems like to me. But just last year, in uh, June, Governor Parsons had all the pomp and circumstance, and everybody was so happy that they signed it, and now everybody's coming out against it. Seems like that it's being painted as an anti-cop bill, and it seems like they're trying to go about any end run around to get this bill castrated, so to speak, because it's an excellent bill, and it has teeth, and it is bulletproof constitutionally, so they're trying to tear it down however they can. One of the biggest ways they can do that is get public support against it. So today we're going to be looking at some, a couple articles and just picking out some of the, the high points of the arguments against it, what, or at least the complaints. They're not even really arguments. Then we're going to look at the document itself. So stick around. Towards the end, I'm going to read the entire document. It's pretty easy to understand. Be sure and stick around and listen to that so that you understand for yourself. Hear it with your own ears. See it with your own eyes. I'll link to it in the description. You can have an educated discussion when somebody comes out talking about how it's an anti-cop bill. This bill really speaks for itself. They did an excellent job putting it together. It took eight years to get it passed. A lot of back and forth from both sides of the aisle went into this. So let's dive in here and look at a couple of these articles. I just googled Second Amendment Preservation Act, Missouri, and then clicked on the news tab. Here's one that, top, that popped right up at the top. This one here is from Fox News. And I'll put all the links to everything I reference in the notes. You can click and check it out on your own time if you'd like. And you're probably listening. If you're not, if you don't live in Missouri, you might be wondering why, why should I stick around for this? This is clearly just a Missouri thing. But let me encourage you to stick around because this bill, there's several other states. I, I think there's like over 10 states that have similar bills in process right now. It's coming. It's a great bill. It would be great to see this passed in all the states. And so similar opposition is going to happen in your state at some point if a bill like this happens. If not, you can send the bill to your representative and ask them to get something started in, in your legislature there where you're living. Okay, so this is from fox2now.com. Uh, starts out, law enforcement officers from around the state want clarification on a new law that makes federal gun law, quote, invalid. The Second Amendment Preservation Act, better known as SAPA, took effect at the end of August. It nullifies federal gun laws and allows police departments to be sued up to $50,000 for violating someone's Second Amendment rights. It's also causing confusion for law enforcement, affecting the way officers protect Missourians. Even some departments have cut ties with federal task forces because of the consequences. Well, this is leaving the article there. I mean, this sounds like a great thing to me, but we'll go on it here. 
If the court can give us some clarification, we can just go back to business as usual right now. But right now, it's caused a lot of confusion and concern. That's the executive board member of Missouri Relief Chiefs Association, Chris DiGiuseppe. Everybody just wants the answer to this. Moving on down, it says the new law, quote, prohibits state and local cooperation with federal officials that attempt to enforce any laws, rules, orders, or actions that violate the Second Amendment rights of Missourians. Okay, again, the me speaking, I don't see the problem there, right? Seems like a good thing. Giuseppe goes on to say that people have had to lose their jobs because of this in the law enforcement community. He continues to say the language is vague. Police departments are running into these dilemmas and it's causing problems. We just, we just can't understand. That's, again, that's my emphasis. That's my uh, paraphrase. And it points out that about 60 police chiefs have signed an affidavit in court not wanting to overturn the law, but wanting clarification, saying they're liable. And again, yeah, they're, they're liable if they break the law as it's passed. That is, that is the kind of the point. And then it notes that uh, John Rizzo, Democrat from Independence, has filed a bill to repeal parts of SAPA that prohibit police from seeking aid in federal gun enforcement. The legislation is called the Back the Blue Act. Ooh, what a name. They get me with these names. They, you know, they're, they're smart. That's what it is. They're smart. Rizzo says, my bill's a real deal. It will allow police officers to do their job, work with federal partners to stop gun violence, catch criminals, and keep men and women in uniforms safe. But you got to stop here and realize that what Rizzo just said there is totally erasing the bill. You'll see, listen to the bill. Stick around to the end. Listen to the whole reading of the bill because it really... It's an excellent bill, and you'll see how this is just totally castrating it. Article goes on to say, It's resulted in agencies across the state withdrawing from joint efforts with the BATF. Gives a few instances. Again, this is a good thing. Uh, especially when you consider that the ATF, just last week it came out, is holding an illegal registry of almost a billion gun records. That goes down, it ties the gun, guns to the people, places of birth, serial numbers, everything. Again, that doesn't surprise anybody that's been paying attention, but it is illegal, and it's been proven now. That's the ATF that they're complaining about breaking ties with. Again, what they're not telling you here is it's all about the money, just like the federal uh, asset forfeiture. Missouri's a great state for asset forfeiture, but they... They try and find the loopholes however they can to get that federal money. And most of the complaints I, I've read, I've seen, is they try and say, well, this law is keeping us from taking the bad guys off the streets. To which my answer is why. It, there's specific language in there that says you can still prosecute and partner with federal authorities on prosecution of crimes as long as the gun crime is ancillary to such prosecution. There was a couple uh, cases back in November that prove Missouri agencies can comply with SAPA and still accept federal help to fight the crime. And I'll put the links to those down in the, in the notes below. The bottom line is the Second Amendment says shall not be infringed, right? Well, you can say that all day long, but it's government's going to infringe on your rights. It's up to the people to rem remonstrate, to resist, and the states are the primary agency for that in the federal government system designed by our founders. And that's exactly what this bill is. 
It's the people through the state saying, get your mitts off the guns, shall not be infringed. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And then, oh, it's got teeth to it. That's what they want to do is they want to take the teeth out. They want it to just be another useless piece of paper. Well, I say the bill is perfect the way it is. I mean, we can have a conversation, but it's not broken. It's declaring rights that are inalienable. Remember, the right to self-defense goes right along with the right to life, which, where have you heard that before? That's in our Declaration of Independence, one of our founding documents. It says it's an unalienable right to life. And what's good is a right to life without the right to defend your life? That's why it's in there. And people say Second Amendment rights. I kind of cringe when that's the case. No, it's a God-given right. The, the Bill of Rights just said, told the government to keep their mitts specifically off of these unalienable rights. And then the Tenth Amendment is the best. says everything that's not specifically listed in the Constitution is reserved to the states and the people thereof. But I'm getting off track. Really, just, just listen to the bill. They do a great job on their own of setting up the background for the bill. You'll have to forgive some of the legalese. I went ahead and included it because I wanted to just read it verbatim. But there are some numbers and stuff, and there's some legalese at the beginning. Bear with it. That doesn't. It's not that long. Stick with it because the introduction is really gold. And then even the actual body of the bill is not hard to understand. Which is what makes me think that these law enforcement agencies really aren't looking for clarification. They're looking for the court to cut something down. First regular session, Senate substitute for Senate committee substitute for House committee substitute for House bills numbers 85 and 310, 101st General Assembly, 2021, an act to repeal section 1.320 RSMO and to enact in lieu thereof nine new sections relating to the sole purpose of adding additional protections to the right to bear arms with penalty provisions and an emergency clause be it enacted by the General Assembly of the State of Missouri as follows. Section A, Section 1.320 RSMO is repealed and nine new sections enacted in lieu thereof to be known as Sections 1 1.410, 1.420, 1.440, 1.450, 1.450, 1.450, 1.460, 1.470, 1.480, and 1.485 to read as follows. Section 1.410. Sections 1.410 to 1.485 shall be known and may be cited as the Second Amendment Preservation Act. 2. The General Assembly finds and declares that 1. The General Assembly of the State of Missouri is firmly resolved to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against every aggression, whether foreign or domestic, and is duty-bound to oppose every infraction of those principles that constitute the basis of the union of the states, because only a faithful observance of those principles can secure the union's existence and the public happiness. 2. Acting through the Constitution of the United States, the people of the several states created the federal government to be their agent in the exercise of a few defined powers, while reserving for the state governments the power to legislate on matters concerning the lives, liberties, and properties of citizens in the ordinary course of affairs. 3. The limitation of the federal government's power is affirmed under Amendment 10 of the Constitution of the United States. 
which defines the total scope of federal powers as being those which have been delegated by the people of the several states to the federal government, and all powers not delegated to the federal government in the Constitution of the United States are reserved to the states respectively or the people themselves. 4. If the federal government assumes powers that the people did not grant it in the Constitution of the United States, its acts are unauthoritative, void, and of no force. 5. The several states of the United States respect the proper role of the federal government, but reject the proposition that such respect requires unlimited submission. If the federal government, created by a compact among the states, were the exclusive or final judge of the extent of the powers granted to it by the states through the Constitution of the United States, the federal government's discretion, and not the Constitution of the United States, would necessarily become the measure of those powers. To the contrary, as in all other cases of compacts among powers having no common judge, each party has an equal right to judge for itself as to whether infractions of the compact have occurred, as well as to determine the mode and measure of redress. Although the several states have granted supremacy to laws and treaties made under the powers granted in the Constitution of the United States, such supremacy does not extend to various federal statutes, executive orders, administrative orders, court orders, rules, regulations, and other actions that collect data or restrict or prohibit the manufacture, ownership, or use of firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition exclusively within the borders of Missouri. Such statutes, executive orders, administrative orders, court orders, rules, regulations, or other actions that collect data or restrict or prohibit the manufacture, ownership, or use of firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition exclusively within the borders of Missouri. Such statutes, executive orders, administrative orders, court orders, rules, regulations, and other actions exceed the powers granted to the federal government except to the extent they are necessary and proper for governing and regulating the United States armed forces or for organizing, arming, and disciplining militia forces actively employed in the service of the United States armed forces. 6. The people of the several states have given Congress the power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states, but regulating commerce does not include the power to limit citizens' right to keep and bear arms in defense of their families, neighbors, persons, or property, nor to dictate what sorts of arms and accessories law-abiding Missourians may buy, sell, exchange, or otherwise possess within the borders of this state. 7. The people of the several states have also granted Congress the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imports, and exercises, to pay the debts, and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States, and to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the powers vested by this Constitution of the United States in the government of the United States, or in any department or office thereof. These constitutional provisions merely identify the means by which the federal government may execute its limited powers and shall not be construed to grant unlimited power because to do so would be to destroy the carefully constructed equilibrium between the federal and state governments. Consequently, the General Assembly rejects any claim that the taxing and spending powers of Congress may be used to diminish in any way the right of the people to keep and bear arms. 8. The General Assembly finds that the federal excise tax rate on arms and ammunition in effect prior to January 1, 2021, which funds programs under the Wildlife Restoration Act, does not have a chilling effect on the purchase or ownership of such arms and ammunition.
Nine, the people of Missouri have vested the General Assembly with the authority to regulate the manufacture, possession, exchange, and use of firearms within the borders of this state, subject only to the limits imposed by Amendment 2 of the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Missouri. And 10. The General Assembly of the State of Missouri strongly promotes responsible gun ownership, including parental supervision of minors in the proper use, storage, and ownership of all firearms, the prompt reporting of stolen firearms, and the proper enforcement of all state gun laws. The General Assembly of the State of Missouri hereby condemns any unlawful transfer of firearms and the use of any firearm in any criminal or unlawful activity. 1.420 The following federal acts, laws, executive orders, administrative orders, rules, and regulations shall be considered infringements on the people's right to keep and bear arms, as guaranteed by Amendment 2 of the Constitution of the United States and Article 1, Section 23 of the Constitution of Missouri, within the borders of this state, including, but not limited to, 1. Any tax, levy, fee, or stamp imposed on firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition not common to all other goods and services that might be reasonably expected to create a chilling effect on the purchase or ownership of those items by law-abiding citizens. 2. Any registration or tracking of firearms, firearms accessories, or ammunition. 3. Any registration or tracking of the ownership of firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition. 4. Any act forbidding the possession, ownership, use, or transfer of a firearm, firearm accessory, or ammunition by law-abiding citizens. And 5. An act ordering the confiscation of firearms, firearm accessories, or ammunition from law-abiding citizens. 1.430 All federal acts, laws, executive orders, administrative orders, rules, and regulations, regardless of whether they were enacted before or after the provisions of section 1.410 to 1.485 that infringe on the people's right to keep and bear arms, as guaranteed by the Second Amendment of the Constitution of the United States and Article 1, Section 23 of the Constitution of Missouri, shall be invalid to this state, shall not be recognized by this state, shall be specifically rejected by this state, and shall not be enforced by this state. 1.440 It shall be the duty of the courts and law enforcement agencies of this state to protect the rights of law-abiding citizens to keep and bear arms within the borders of this state, and to protect these rights from the infringements defined under Section 1.420. 1.450 no entity or person, including any public officer or employee of this state or any political subdivision of this state, shall have the authority to enforce or attempt to enforce any federal acts, laws, executive orders, administrative orders, rules, regulations, statutes, or ordinances infringing on the right to keep and bear arms as described under Section 1.420. Nothing in Sections 1.410 to 1.480 shall be construed to prohibit Missouri officials from accepting aid from federal officials in an effort to enforce Missouri laws. 1.460 1. Any political subdivision or law enforcement agency that employs a law enforcement officer who acts knowingly, as defined under Section 562.016, 
to violate the provisions of Section 1.450 or otherwise knowingly deprives a citizen of Missouri of the rights or privileges ensured by Amendment 2 of the Constitution of the United States or Article 1, Section 23 of the Constitution of Missouri, while acting under the color of any state or federal law, shall be liable to the injured party in an action at law, suit, in equity, or other proper proceeding for redress, and subject to a civil penalty of $50,000 per occurrence. Any person injured under this section shall have standing to pursue an action for injunctive relief in the circuit court of the county in which the action allegedly occurred, or in the circuit court of Cole County with respect to the actions of such an individual. The court shall hold a hearing on the motion for temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction within 30 days of service of the petition. 2. In such actions, the court may award the prevailing party, other than the state of Missouri or any political subdivision of the state, reasonable attorney's fees and costs. 3. Sovereign immunity shall not be an affirmative defense in any action pursuant to this section. 1.470 1. Any political subdivision or law enforcement agency that knowingly employs an individual acting or who previously acted as an official, agent, employee, or deputy of the government of the United States, or otherwise acted under the color of federal law within the borders of this state, who has knowingly, as defined under section 562.016, after adoption of this section, 1. Enforced or attempted to enforce any of the infringements identified in section 1.420, or 2. Given material aid and support to the efforts of another who enforces or attempts to enforce any of the infringements identified in section 1.420, shall be subject to a civil penalty of $50,000 per employee hired by the political subdivision or law enforcement agency. Any person residing in a jurisdiction who believes that an individual has taken action that would violate the provisions of this section shall have standing to pursue an action. Any person residing or conducting business in a jurisdiction who believes that an individual has taken action that would violate the provisions of this section shall have standing to pursue an action for injunctive relief in the Circuit Court of Cole County with respect to the actions of such individual. The Court shall hold a hearing on the motion for a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction within 30 days of the service of the petition. 3. In such actions, the Court may award the prevailing party, other than the State of Missouri or any political subdivisions of the State, reasonable attorneys' fees and costs. 4. Sovereign immunity shall not be an affirmative defense in any action pursuant to this section. 1.480 1. For sections 1.410 to 1.485, the term law-abiding citizen shall mean a person who is not otherwise precluded under state law from possessing a firearm and shall not be construed to include anyone who is not legally present in the United States or the state of Missouri. 2. For the purposes of sections 1.410 to 1.480, material aid and support shall include voluntarily giving or allowing others to make use of lodging, communications, equipment, or services, including social media accounts, facilities, weapons, personnel, transportation, clothing, or other physical assets. Material aid and support shall not include giving or allowing the use of medicine or other materials necessary to treat physical injuries, nor shall the term include any assistance provided to help persons escape a serious 
present risk of life-threatening injury. 3. It shall not be considered a violation of sections 1.410 to 1.480 to provide material aid to federal officials who are in pursuit of a suspect when there is a demonstrable criminal nexus with another state or country and such suspect is either not a citizen of this state or is not present in this state. 4. It shall not be considered a violation of sections 1.410 to 1.480 to provide material aid to federal prosecution for 1. Felony crimes against a person when such prosecution includes weapons violations substantially similar to those found in Chapter 570 or Chapter 571 so long as such weapons violations are merely ancillary to prosecution or 2. Class A or Class B felony violations substantially similar to those found in Chapters 579 when such prosecution includes weapons violations substantially similar to those found in Chapters 570 or Chapter 571, so long as such weapons violations are merely ancillary to such prosecution. 5. The provision of Sections 1.410 to 1.485 shall be applicable to offenses occurring on or after August 28, 2021. 1.485. If any provision of Sections 1.410 to 1.485 or the application thereof to any person or circumstance is held invalid, such determination shall not affect the provisions or applications of Sections 1.410 to 1.485 that may be given effect without the invalid provision or application, and the provisions of sections 1.410 to 1.485 are severable. Section B. Because immediate action is necessary to ensure the limitation of the federal government's power and to protect the citizens' right to bear arms, section A of this act is deemed necessary for the immediate preservation of the public health, welfare, peace, and safety, and is hereby declared to be an emergency act within the meaning of the Constitution, and Section A of this Act shall be in full force and effect upon its passage and approval. So there you have it. Pretty easy to understand. Some of the numbers and references and stuff gets a little confusing. I linked, again, I linked to the document in the uh, notes down below. But it seems like to me most of the complaints from the law enforcement community and the media, the way they're trying to paint it, they're exactly what the bill is supposed to be about. They're complaining about the bill itself. They're, they don't want to say they don't like the Second Amendment Preservation Act because that doesn't sound good. It sounds like they're against Second Amendment rights. But in reality, they are. They want to be able to enforce federal gun control acts, and they want the money that comes along with that for, through the equitable sharing program, and there's a whole list of them. Now, keep in mind, I'm a pro-cop guy. I have friends and family in law enforcement. I back the blue, so to speak, but not at the expense of the public liberty or my liberties. We've all got to mind our own liberty. And the fact of the matter is, all federal gun control legislation is unconstitutional. That goes for the Gun Control Act of 1984, the Gun Control Act of 1934, I think is way back in the day, all of which were supported by the NRA, the supposed bastion of gun rights. Not. No, the United States Constitution says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be.
be infringed. And that sounds nice, but this bill with the teeth that's in it is enforcing that. I know I called my senator and my representative lots of times, and I emailed them lots more times, asking them to push through this legislation, to sign, this leg to sign on to this legislation. And I was, I was listening to the arguments as it was going through. Believe it or not, law enforcement was heavily involved. They were heavily against it when it was going through, but we listened. We, as being the legislatures on our side, listened. And we struck down. There's a couple sections I didn't even read of the bill because they were struck. They were removed from the language because of a compromise. And I think that's good, but the bill did get passed through due process. Now they're trying to rally up a public smear campaign to get people to call and say they want, they now want the Back the Blue Act or whatever name they can think of to get public support of undoing what they just did. No, the people have spoken. We like this bill. Leave it alone. And I know my, some, of my, uh, some law enforcement I've heard say, well, this is keeping us from getting the bad guys off the streets. Well, then the fact of the matter is we need to get Missouri laws on the books that allow you to prosecute such individuals under Missouri laws. I'll provide a link down there. The ATF lists conveniently for us all the laws that are on the books in Missouri. And as Missouri laws, they're totally enforceable. We're, we're not against gun laws. We're against federal gun laws. Now, ultimately, a bunch of those need to be repealed too, but that's a fight for another day. Well, guys, thanks for listening. That wraps it up for today. It was a quicker episode. I didn't have as much time to put it together, but I wanted to get it out. Also, just to let you know, actually, as I'm recording this right now, the appeal that was signed by all those police chiefs is before the Missouri Supreme Court. So we'll see how that tacks out, but I know it's going to be a lot in the news. So I wanted to get this out quickly because I, I think you can't beat looking at the actual document. Misinformation gets started when people start talking about something that they've never read. So here you go. It's in the links. Read it for yourself or go back and listen to it again so that you know what you're talking about when you're having a discussion about the Second Amendment Preservation Act. All right, and lastly, be sure and hit the like button, leave a comment, leave a review. If you got thoughts on it, if you're pushing me back, calling me crazy, that's good. Leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. If you're supporting me, whatever you want to do, leave a comment on whatever platform you're looking at. I'll try and get around to them. Also, hit the subscribe so you know when I've got new content. Also, check out themindyourliberty.com. It's a website put together. It's pretty simple right now. And then I want to throw in a quote here real quick from Richard Henry Lee, one of my favorite founders. To preserve liberty, it is essential that the whole body of people always possessed arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them. Love it. And there's many more we can go over, but I don't want to take any more of your time right now. As far as a resource recommendation, again, check out the Tenth Amendment Center. I'll put a link to an article from the Tenth Amendment Center about SAPA. And then they've done a lot of videos on it as well. Uh, be sure and check those out. For now, maybe give your senator, give your representative, I think probably more appropriately, your representative right now in Missouri, not your federal representatives, your state representative in Missouri, give them a call, tell them, I like SAPA just the way it is, or at least tell them how you feel about it, because it hasn't, it hasn't come to it yet, but I think if they're hearing all day long 
there are people telling them, leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone, then we're gonna, it's going to get through this trial just fine. And until next time, be sure and mind your liberty.